What is this? You know well, I'm a chicken fried. I thought you liked this song. And cold beer on a Friday night. You gotta be a kidding pair of me, dude. fit just right. <laughs> and the radio. I told you that story in supreme confidence. I thought I thought you were saying that you liked this song. Ah, uh, no. Everyone likes a little Zach Brown. Um, not every hour on the hour for three days. Every hour on the hour, you say. <sighs> Shall we make it four days? Behind the glass, Jerry. <laughs> is up at my buddy's cottage celebrating his birthday. His name will remain uh, off the record, Mark. <laughs> Played this song all weekend long. Can't get it out of my head. I told you that this morning. Why are you torturing me? The only way to get a song out of your head is to listen to it from beginning to end. I don't believe that's true at all. Anyway. <laughs> Chicken fried, is that what it's called? That's great. Yep. Zach Brown band. That's correct. Uh, you are the bane of my existence, Zach <laughs> Brown. That song, I tell you. Hope you had a great long weekend. I uh, hope you didn't try and start your Christmas shopping yesterday, because nothing was open. <laughs> We're a hundred and one hundred seventy-five days till Christmas. By the way, uh, the the liquor mart was open. Yeah, well, that's where I get half my Christmas gifts. I could have got most of my Christmas shopping <laughs> done, but I can't promise that I wouldn't use them for my own personal use between now and December twenty-fifth. So it that is. would have been a what would you call it? Uh, uh, a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I feel like Santa Claus today, Jerry, because we've got a ton of stuff to give away. It's amazing. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw this. Yeah, so we've got Blue Bomber tickets to give away for Saturday night. The Bombers, of course, a little disappointing, the outcome of their game in Hamilton Friday night, but they're back on the field against the BC Lions, who also lost this past weekend, by the way. So Saturday, July 7th, the Bombers in action against the BC Lions. So we will have a pair of tickets to give to you Later on this morning, Craig Ferguson coming to town. We have a pair of tickets for that show. We will give those away later on. And, you know, sometimes you'll hear we've got a major concert announcement and you'll stick with us and then we announce the concert and you go, Mackling, McGarry, that wasn't a major concert. That does not qualify as a major concert. It's all in the ears of the beholder. It is. I don't think there's any argument that the concert announcement that we have coming up for you in just just about a half hour's time will qualify as a major concert announcement. I would even say it's an epic concert announcement. Epic concert announcement. There you go. The words of Behind the Glass, Jerry. So keep it locked here. And, of course, our VIP experience contest. If you were listening to the pregame show, you know who Kelly Moore did his Blue Bomber player profile on. I don't know what Kelly's trying to do here, but the spelling of these names that we've had so far, a little bit challenging. Has, has someone told Kelly what the uh, contest is? <laughs> I believe he, he, <laughs> it's a texting contest. So you'll want to double check the spelling on the player that Kelly profiled. When you hear the distinct sounder, Jerry will play it at some point this morning. You will know exactly what it is. It gives you 10 minutes to text in. to say, Don't do it now. 780-6868. Just the last name of the player. No fancy icons. No emojis. You don't have to put your name and phone number. You just have to... Text in the last name of the player featured in the Blue Bomber player profile during the pregame show Friday night with, of course, Bob Irving. We've got the coaches show tonight. 
Bob and uh, Mike O'Shea took the holiday off yesterday, so tonight from 7 till 8, you get to grill the coach on what happened in Hamilton and find out what he's got planned to turn things around for the BC Lions this Saturday night. And we've got anything else to give away? I think that's I think that's about enough. We're starting our You Are Here series, 745 this morning. I was up at the lake, uh, up on the east side of Lake Winnipeg, out towards Grand Beach this weekend, and we are going to feature a story about two gentlemen who used to sit at the side of the road up on Highway 59. You might know them as the Wavers. They've been immortalized with a couple of, of giant red chairs. The Wavers, they're known as. We'll tell you a little bit more about the Wavers a little bit later on this morning and we will also be asking you to send us your pictures interact with us and let us know about those landmarks in manitoba that tell you you are here maybe you're only 15 minutes from your destination or you're halfway there like the halfway tree between brandon and winnipeg we've got a a separate feature on a different landmark in manitoba for the rest of the week it's a tuesday that feels like a monday but hallelujah it's already tuesday and I guess it's essentially the first official day off for the kids. First day of summer holidays. How are you spending it? Would love to hear from you. 780-6868. We'll take a pause. We'll come back and update the weather forecast. We had some crazy weather this weekend. In particular, on Canada Day, saw some pictures of some water spouts over Lake Manitoba, some thunderstorms, uh, to be sure. Got lots of rain, depending on where you were in the province. And uh, it's a little bit of a stormy relationship between Canada and the United States right now. We'll, uh, we'll bring you some details on the latest in trade wars between Canada and the U.S. It's Mackling and McGarry without McGarry. Just four more days, and then Brett will be back. Hope you're having a great start to your day. David Aiken joins us now from Ottawa, Global News Chief Political Correspondent. And uh, David, uh, just about three hours ago, a new poll released as we head into the summer of 2018, looking ahead to the election season of 2019. Andrew Shear and the Tor- Tories are the summer's early front runners. This is uh, interesting for plenty of reasons. Yeah, it, it is. And, and so the, the poll is from Ipsos. They're our polling partner. And uh, the top line number is Andrew Shears Conservatives are the preferred choice of about 37% of the country. Uh, Justin Trudeau's Liberals back at 33%. And then Jugmeet Singh's NDP back at 21%. Um, a lot of people will say, listen, it's the middle of the summertime. It's hot. I'm going to the cottage. The election's not for 18 months. Why do I care about a poll at this point? I'll tell you why. Because uh, with fixed date uh, elections, we all know we're going to the polls in October 2019. Every party right now, this summer, is busy trying to find a star candidate, trying to sign up volunteers, trying to make sure they got enough donors. You wouldn't believe the, the fundraising push just in the last week from the Liberals as they get close to the end of the quarter. So all these things are happening, looking for candidates, donors, and volunteers. And if you're, let's say you're, you, you, you're thinking about jumping in as a candidate, you might be a professional person, you're ready to put your life on hold for a couple of years, and you're taking a look at the polls. If you're a conservative or a liberal, you go, you know what? Of course, if I want to jump in, I want to be on the government side. And it looks like the blue or the red team has a good chance. If you're the new Democrats right now, Jugmeet Singh has been the leader of that party. <clears throat> 
since last fall, and he's really not shown any life in terms of being able to find some new support. You combine that with a recent by-election that was held in Quebec, a by-election where the Conservatives uh, under Scheer scored an upset win, a place hadn't won in ages, uh, absolutely abysmal showing by the NDP, and you can see how the summer sort of starts to shape up. The NDP have a tremendous amount of work ahead of them. Uh, Sheer and the Conservatives, they are. They're, they're signing up candidates. I think they got about 90 of them already uh, ready to go. And uh, same thing for the Liberals. They actually kicked off their essentially campaign season last week. Uh, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, was in a riding in Mississauga, Ontario, where the uh, incumbent is Navdeep Baines, our industry minister, um, and that was their big campaign push-off. So these polls, yeah, sure, we're all going to change our minds between now and October 2019. But for those playing the game, those involved in it right now, these polls can be encouraging or, I think in the case of the NDP, a little discouraging. Yeah, the NDP really not gaining any traction at all. But uh, the popularity of the prime minister is on the rise, according to this poll, David. It, that's right. And that's sort of a, usually if, if uh, one party is drooping, the the popularity of the, liber- the, the leader will droop as well. But in this case, 55% of Canadians approve of the job that Justin Trudeau is doing. And we should point out this poll was in the field just at the end of June, June 28th, 29th, so it's not too old. Um, so 55% of, of Canadians approve of the job Trudeau's doing. Some reasons for that, I think, is this trade war we've got going on with the Trump administration. I think a lot of Canadians, regardless of their partisan stripe, are rallying to the idea of the Canadian prime minister standing up to uh, what is perceived in a lot of circles to be a bully in the former President Trump. Uh, Trudeau's on record saying it is absurd, and that's Trudeau's phrase, it's absurd that Trump thinks that Canadian manufacturers represent a national security threat to the United States, and it is absurd on its face. And so uh, Trudeau's been standing up to Trump, and I think some Canadians are saying, yep, you got to talk, uh, talk tr- uh, tough back to the U.S. president. And I think that's the feedback we're getting from our listeners as well. I've often said that, you know, uh, Jean Chrétien's greatest legacy is something that he didn't do, and that was to go uh, to not go to Iraq with the United States uh, back uh, once upon a time in the in the in the second round of of uh, Mm -hmm. military action against Iraq. And now standing up to the United States may be playing well for uh, Justin Trudeau. Was this poll taken before the conversation about these growth? allegations in British Columbia, David? Well, it's it was out as that story has been emerging. And, you know, people are going to have some different views on that particular story. We heard from the Prime Minister on the weekend, I think he was in Regina, actually, uh, for a Canada Day celebration, you know, talking about how he cannot recall a, quote, uh, negative interaction. And, and that is the phrase uh, he's been using. He and his office are using about this uh, particular uh, uh, allegation. 18 years old, uh, the woman who was uh, the alleged uh, victim of this, um, she is doesn't want to talk about it anymore. She, she wrote something about it 18 years ago, and now she doesn't want to talk about it. So this is sort of, I think, going to remain sort of in this misty, vague, did he or didn't he? And I think people will take away from it, depending on their, their previous impressions of Trudeau. If you like Trudeau, you're probably going, come on, it was probably a mix-up there. And if you didn't like Trudeau, you can go, aha! Uh, see, he's talking out the side of his mouth. So th- th- this could be something that plays into it, but I- if anything, Trudeau's lucky that this is surfacing or resurfacing at the beginning of the summer, because I mentioned off the top, you know, Canadians tend to s- stop paying a lot of attention to political news over the summertime, um, and uh, this may have just gone by the wayside uh, come next uh, September. 
Well, the top three topics of conversation in no particular order this July long weekend in my group were, was the weather, uh, Paul Stastny not <laughs> re-signing with the Winnipeg Jets, and John Tavares signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, Hockey things, and the weather. Go yeah, figure. imagine yeah. that. And, and a little bit of Donald Trump and our, our travel plans for the summer. David, thanks for taking some time with us on this on short notice this morning. Hey, no problem at all. Happy to jump in. All right, David Aiken, Global News, Chief Political Correspondent joining us from Ottawa, talking to us about an Ipsos poll that shows that the Conservatives, led by Andrew Scheer, are a preferred choice of 30 37% of decided voters, and uh, Justin Trudeau's Liberals has the have the support of 33%. <laughs> Kelly Moore is here, Shanalee Vidal is here, and we welcome back to the fray, Jeff Braun, following a week of vacation. Jeff, I hope you had a good few days off. Did you come back refreshed and... Absolutely. Yeah, ready to uh, needle Kelly Moore? Never slept so much in my life. Well, that's hey, good, man. Little peek behind the curtain, he almost sabotaged your last segment. He was going to go to the news booth and, and record his feature. you got to be kidding me. No. <laughs> I almost, yeah, I, turned the, I was sitting there, I turned the mic, I was like, no, this is wrong that, booth. That doesn't <laughs> work. That doesn't work. <laughs> hey, in case you missed it, a stretch of boreal forest along the Manitoba-Ontario boundary has won international recognition for its pristine environment and connection with Indigenous culture. Uh, now I've been to this place, so I gotta. I, I should be able to say this: Pimichuan Aki, an Ojibwe phrase that means the land that gives life, has been deemed a World Heritage Site by the United Nations Education, Scientific and Cultural Organization, or UNESCO. What is your favorite Manitoba park or other destination in our province? And this ties into the feature we'll be doing an hour from now called You Are Here's. We'll be highlighting a couple of different landmarks around the province over the next four days or so. Jeff Braun, other than Winkler, what's your favorite place <laughs> in Manitoba? You know what? You could pretty much... You know, go northeast, west, or south out of the city and find a beautiful place in southern Manitoba. And honestly, I'm just going to go uh, recency bias, the place I was at this weekend, which I hadn't been since I was a teenager, mid-90s, St. Mallow Provincial Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, friends were camping out there all weekend, and so I went out on Sunday just for the day just to yeah, go for a swim and have some hot dogs, that sort of thing. And, ah, oh, it's beautiful down there. I forgot all, uh, what a nice little campground that is. See, I've never been there. I'm going to oh, have to put it on my list. You should. My daughter and her kids uh, will go there quite often as well, and they rave about it. Haven't been there either, so. And stop by the uh, church, the, the grotto. It's it's pretty incredible. Oh, oh neat. Really? Okay, yeah. see, look at that. That sounds like a road trip. trip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shanalee, since you jumped in there. Oh, my goodness. You know, I have a hard time. Because there, I can't pick just one place. Any, like just in any direction you go, there's something neat, something extraordinary, and there's something great. There's some great landmark to take a picture of. That was one of my hobbies. Was uh, whether it be uh, Sarah the camel or the the big mosquito in Camarno or the mushrooms in Melib to take pictures of all of these great neat things. But I'm gonna single out um, a place that I specifically saw in a book, and I, I went out there because I, I've never seen rocks like this in Manitoba. A uh, steep rock. Steep these, rock. These cliffs are amazing, like something like you might see in uh, like Ireland or or similar Britain, or like, like the White Cliffs of Dover. Yeah, right. They're very, very, very reminiscent. Th of that. They are, and so if you ever get the chance, it's it's a very small section, and I think some of it is a, is a private beach area, but but definitely get in there and see those rocks because they're Where pretty do you incredible. Have to go for that, 
I believe it is. I believe it is north. <laughs> Highway <think>. number six, <laughs> north oh, of okay. Saint Laurent, up north of Lundar, towards the Narrows. So oh, okay. if you, if uh, you anybody wants to correct me on that, seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. But that's what my geography tells me. I've taken that route many times. We have friends up in uh, well in the Roblin area, and uh, I've gone across sixty eight through the Narrows and that before. But I don't remember seeing that. So yeah, well, you'd have to you have to turn off the highway. It's uh, not right okay. there. Yeah. It's yeah. it's off the beaten path at least some. What, Kelly? Okay. It's not right there in your face. <laughs> okay. Okay. What, what, where are you sending us, Kelly? Like uh, Agassi, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Jeff's been waiting all week. Yeah, all week. He was just sending that I wrote out. it down on a piece yeah. of paper last Wednesday. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Haven't been there for a while, but uh, back when we lived here the first time, we used to love camping at Wasagaming up at uh, Clear Lake. Uh, uh, had uh, uh, many a, a, a great weekend up there. You know, you get in the provincial campsite, you can walk down to the beach and spend the day there. Uh, I just think that is a lovely, lovely part of our great province. I don't understand how it feels as soon as you go into that park gate. Yes. It feels like you're somewhere else. And, you know, I hate that this is a, a fact uh, in Manitoba that an attraction gains some sort of notoriety or appreciation when you look at the people you're with and go, I don't even feel like I'm in Manitoba anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of derogatory and negative, but I get that feeling. When you go into Wasagaming, it is like, a, a, it's a world away. It's yes, really, it really is, a yeah. great spot. Uh, I, I love going to Wasagaming. If, if I could say this without getting uh, uh, hammered too badly, but uh, it it reminds me a lot of what camping in BC is like. I agree with yeah. you 100%, Kelly. No, I don't think you should be uh, sorrowful or worrisome about uh, making that comparison. Behind the glass, Jerry, we know you are an import, but mm-hmm. you must have uh, some places that you'd like to go when you find some time to, to get out of the city. I, I really haven't gone out of the city much. I mean, I've been out of the city what about two or three times. I like to go. I like going up to Lockport. That's Nothing always wrong with that. that's yeah. always a nice. It's a nice, uh, pleasant drive on the way up, which is what I like. Is is it's not so much one thing. It's just the entire drive up is just peaceful. That's what I like. I call it uh, the Pacific Coast Highway. When you come back down <laughs> River Road there and look at all the fancy houses, it's like Malibu yeah. when you're down in California, right? And, all and the fancy Jerry, houses you know what you should do? Water. Go, you should uh, go a little bit further. You should go to Selkirk. It's not that far. Go see the catfish. You know? Oh, Charlie the catfish? Yeah. Is, that is, is it name? Charlie? I think it's Charlie. I don't, I don't know. But is it, it Chuck? I think it might be Chuck. It might be Chuck. I don't know. I think it's Charlie the tuna. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking of just humming that song but, as you were yeah. saying. Yeah, uh, you know our listeners always come through. We've got a picture here of Steep Rock. Was just there on the weekend. Steep Rock off number six on two thirty nine, and one word describes it: beautiful. All right. Fantastic. Also getting a lot of feedback on your plans to stay away from the United States based on this trade war Mm -hmm. and uh, some very lengthy emails. One in particular, don't have time to to read, but I will read this text. Uh, We go to Grand Forks and Fargo three to four times a year and are not going this summer. And I'm trying to buy Canadian more. It might be hard to stand up to the giant bully to the south, but maybe as a group, the world can. So that, I think, will play nicely into uh, people sticking around and and uh, spending their time and their money here in Manitoba. Send us your favorite Manitoba spots. I know it's a running conversation, but you know what? Especially in this heightened uh, trade situation with the United States, let's figure out how we can support one another and spend and some more time in Manitoba. And, uh, you know what? 
Absolutely, Kelly. And appreciate it is absolutely the perfect word. Thanks for this, you guys. Yes, that sound means it's now time for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. He's entering his fifth season as a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was last year's most outstanding defensive player. We welcome to Mackling and McGarry. I just fell off the line there. <laughs> Mr. Richardson, we're waiting to talk to Chris Randall. I guess we're going to have to make another call. We had him on the line. He slipped away. The Blue Bombers, of course, falling 31-17 to the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Hamilton on Saturday night. The Bombers getting ready today for a big game this Saturday night at IGF as the BC Lions come to town. The Lions coming off a loss against the Edmonton Eskimos and Chris Randall, I believe has been reconnected. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How you doing? Doing really well. Thanks for this. I know it was a tough night in Hamilton for the entire team. Lots of positives. I hope to come out of this, uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, ninth straight 300-yard passing game. You, you held him in check uh, from time to time. He's one heck of a player, isn't he? Yeah, he's definitely, you know, been in the league for a while. He's understanding the game. He understands his holes, his pockets. The way he maneuvers is, is that of a person who's confident in his ability. And he's he been displaying that um, week in and week out. And, yeah, he, he was a tough opponent. And we got to tip our hats off to him because he played a good game. I think offensive players always say if we run our plays and we do our job, we run patterns the way we're supposed to and block the way we're supposed to, you, you should be able to complete 60 to 70% of your plays without any difficulty. Is Hamilton just executing and firing on, on all cylinders right now? Or were there some breakdowns that, that you need to correct heading into the game against BC on Saturday? Yeah, I would say a combination of both things there. Um, Masoli, he can create a lot of time, and based off, you know, nine straight games of 300, it's not an easy task to cover. It's a matter of just, you know, getting a new timing down, and those receivers are able to adjust their words and adjust their routes and convert their routes, which is a real challenge upon DB. So it's just taking, you know, taking more time to work our fundamentals and our techniques and, you know, believe in our keys that we studied all week. That's kind of a thing that we can work on, you know, and um, that's what we're going to do pushing forward to kind of continue to, close communication and pre-communication, pre-snap communication, just so we can kind of have a plan for, for certain uh, concepts. So when you are playing defense, is there a clock going off in your head uh, that tells you, hey, if I hold my coverage uh, for a certain amount of time, I should be in a good situation? Talk about, we know quarterbacks have that clock in your in their head. Do you have one in your head? Yes, just because it's a team team defense. So uh, we, as the back end, the secondary is kind of you with a net, with a net on the defense. We got to protect the back end, but we understand in order for us to keep that net, uh, the front seven has to apply pressure. And we know with a matter of time, if we keep that net for X amount of time, then that front seven will get there and get home. Uh, but when he's escaping around in that pocket and the receivers are converting their routes, that net kind of gets you know. It's not as straight as it's supposed to be, and the pocket is getting not as getting closed as much as it can because he's, you know, scrambling, creating time. So those two components, you know, puts our defense in the bind a little bit. Now we know the quarterback is uh, critical in terms of the entertainment factor and the success of any football team. We've seen Ricky Ray go down. Zach Caleros has gone down now with an injury in Saskatchewan. 
and uh, Drew Willie went out in in Montreal. Does it does that concern you or bother you? I know as a defensive player, your job is to get to the quarterback and prevent a quarterback from doing his job. But you're also a men- member of a team whose quarterback went down. Uh, does it bother you when you see quarterbacks going down around the league, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the league and the players in this league. Uh, I know everyone works extremely hard to be in this position and maintain their position. Uh, to see some of those starters and some of those guys who, you know, well-established in the league go down, you know, it's hard. Your heart, your heart goes out for them. But, I mean, everyone's here is capable of playing, you know. It's kind of the risk we take. We've seen the next man up thing in the defensive uh, secondary for the Blue Bombers the last couple of weeks. So injuries are, are a, a huge enemy. Uh, one guy that probably isn't coming into the defensive backfield, although maybe he could, it would be maybe a Darvin Adams or or one of the outstanding uh, receivers on the <laughs> <laughs> offensive side of the ball. Oh, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Deron yeah, Carter playing funny. playing <laughs> defensive back for Saskatchewan. He's not having a, a, a ton of success he does have a pick six of course is there anybody in your lineup that if pressed into service could uh try and play defensive back at least oh yeah i would give it to darvin i mean he he can throw for touchdowns he can catch touchdowns i know he can stop them too so uh, I, I would put my money on darvin if we had to do it but uh I think I like him better on the other side of the ball. I like him better on the other side of the ball, too. Now, I used to catch the ball uh, playing football myself, and we used to bug the defensive backs that, that, that they were only on that side of the ball because they couldn't catch. That That's not true, right? That, no, 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 not at all, man. You got to... I don't know where that rep came from. I'm, I'm try <laughs> to uphold it and let people know that we are very capable catchers. Uh, it's just tough positions. You know, our whole thing is to defend. So, at the end of the day, I think we can catch. But the numbers do show opposite. I can't, I can't lie about facts. But I believe, you know, not all DBs can, can catch. All DBs can't catch in my mind. So, what position did you play in high school? Did Were you always an offensive back? Or so common to hear of the best athletes in the CFL, and I put you on that list, playing quarterback at, at one point in their football playing career. Where, where did you grow up playing? Yeah, I was a quarterback all throughout high school. And then um, going into college, I kind of converted to DB. I had played both ways when I was in high school as well. But, yeah, I was primary quarterback and I feel like that helped me in some, somewhat. This, like you said, the timing. You asked earlier about the timing. I kind of understood the clock from a quarterback standpoint. So it kind of helped me when I was on at DB as well. Well, we've been hearing your voice in the commercials all morning, encouraging fans to come out to IGF on Saturday in the battle against yep. the BC Lions. So uh, it's like you've been with us all morning, Chris. So thanks for taking some <laughs> extra time with us live and uh, pseudo in, por- in person. And we, we, we wish you luck as you as you get ready for BC on Saturday. Right on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. You betcha. And, uh, hope to see everyone out there on Saturday night. All right. A nice uh, last-minute pitch there from Chris Randall, defensive back of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Always great to catch up with Chris. You are here. We see them all the time on road trips, landmarks to let you know exactly where you are or how far it could be to where you're going. This morning, we're kicking off our series, You Are Here. We'll delve into the stories behind some of these well-known Manitoba road markers. And today, we're going north on Highway 59 to Wavers. We are joined on the line 
by John Bear. And John Bear, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, sir. Thank you for taking some time with us. Can you tell us a little bit about Nelson and James Starr, please? Well, yes. Uh, it all started about seven years ago at uh, Brokenhead Convenience Store here in Brokenhead. And um, this lady was in the store uh, asking about uh, where are these starboards. And I, I just overheard them, and uh, they were talking about the starboards, the ditch waivers. Where are they? So uh, I guess uh, when they were asking, I I I, uh, I had an idea. Like after they they asked where the star, star boys were, and they said that um, somebody should do something, something something for these star boys. And so I, I decided, I decided to uh, make a big red chair for them. You know that uh, the, the boys that this waivers here in Brookhead. And that's and that's how it started off. I had a a vision like that you can say between uh, two great big giant oak trees here, and so that's that's how it started. That's that's how everything got started. Well, I can tell you this, uh, John. As I used to go to Grand Beach uh, on the regular, probably every other weekend when I was uh, in my late teens, early twenties, I would look forward to seeing. Uh, James and Nelson sitting at the side of the road in Brokenhead, waving to the passing traffic. And I'm just going to read a little bit because I stopped by there yesterday. I was up at Lester Beach for the weekend and took some pictures that we'll have up at cgob.com. And it says, this big lawn chair, which was made and donated by John Bear, who we're speaking to right now, is in memory of Nelson Starr, also known as John Bunn. I want to ask you about that in a second here, uh, John. Uh, Nelson entered the spirit world July 30th, 2007. Nelson was one of the two waivers that stood alongside Highway 59 and waved to passing vehicles on their way to the beaches or their summer cottage. And uh, a lot more history on that. But uh, absolutely one of the things that people looked forward to as they were driving on Highway 59. And uh, so good of you to commemorate their memory like this. Wow. How How did you do it? Did you did you raise some money or did you just go ahead and do it yourself? Well, it all started out that um, a family member had a great big 10 by 16 deck, and um, it ended up at a, at a brother's place, and so he he didn't want to use it, so it ended up with me. So from family member to family member to me, the, the lawn chair was just, I mean, uh, pardon me, the deck was just laying there doing nothing, so I thought I might as well do something with it, and, and that's when the idea came up. How tall is I make it? Big, it's about six six feet, six and a half feet tall, and about six five feet wide. It's a big chair. It's got a it's got a landing on it, and I'm sitting on it right now. You are not. I am. I am sitting here right now. <laughs> I'm. I'm watching the cars go by, and, and and yeah, it's it's a wonderful feeling. Like you know, just to sit here, you can almost feel the spirit. Of the of the Star Boys still here yet? Oh, John, you you've brought tears to my eyes, man. To know, and <laughs> I was on the chair myself yesterday, and it was it was an emotional thing because uh, you know in, in this in this climate, right? You know, we're, we're we're trying to to build bridges between Indigenous and 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 non-Indigenous communities, and the Star Boys did did that before it was e- reconciliation was even on our radar. 
Well, yeah, it, it, I, I, I'm keeping the legacy going for the Star Boys and our community because these boys, they put us on the map. And I thought, you know, I, I'd help them up. I might as well say, like, I'm their voice because they're two shy individuals, eh? I mean, one, sadly, one had passed away. And, um, and uh, that was in 2007, Nelson passed away, a.k.a. John Bunn. And I don't know how he got his name, but I was still young at the time, I guess. But, uh, yeah, he had that name, John Bunn, for several, several years. And James Starr, he's still living, and uh, apparently he's in Southeast Home in Winnipeg. And that's where he resides now. Well, if anybody knows, if anybody knows, somebody honking their horn going by. (laughs) That's great. That is great. John Bear joining us. He's sitting in in one of those big red chairs in between the, those are oak trees, John, did you say? Yes. Yes. These are oak trees. They are magnificent. They frame out that chair beautifully. Now there's another big chair in front of the Waver's gas station and convenience store on the other side. Did they build that or did you build that as well? I built that because the uh, uh, manager uh, happened to be uh, Alan Huckluck, and he thought there was two. There was two gentlemen, and I guess uh, you might as well have two chairs. So one one is uh, sitting over at the waivers, and the original one is sitting over here uh, by the Broken Head store. And yeah, it's uh, you know just sitting here, and um, I mean it's a great honor to to build this chair on behalf of uh, the Star Boys. And because uh, there are two shy individuals and they don't, I might as well say I'm a voice for them. And it's, you know, it's very, very honored to be, to speak for them well, and, and, and to keep the legacy going. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. Well, your voice is coming out loud and clear this morning, John. And uh, the waivers of Broken Head, Ojibwe Nation. We just we just knew them as those two awesome guys sitting on the side of the road that would absolutely make our day on our way to Grand Beach or or other points north of of Broken Head. John, uh, thank you for this. Right. Thanks for what you've done to to keep this legacy alive. And we really appreciate you joining us from the chair. He's sitting in the chair. So if you're driving yeah. up Highway 59 and you see. John, make sure you give him a honk. Thanks for this, John. Anything you want to say before well, I let you, know you go? What? You know what? Sorry, sorry, but that, you know the people in, in the community they do miss the waivers here, and and all over Manitoba they do miss our waivers, and it's it's sad, you know. But somebody's got to keep the legacy going, you know. And I'm that person, I guess. John, and it's a great honor. It's a great honor. An honor to meet you. Thank you for this. Thank you. John Bear, we're talking about the waivers on Highway 59, the waivers of Broken Head, Ojibwe Nation, James Starr, who we just learned is still alive. If you know James, give him our love and the late Nelson Starr. They both sat at the side of the road until about 2007 on Highway 59, a giant chair, two of them, in fact, on either side of the highway to keep their their legacy alive. Hey, the Winnipeg Folk Festival kicks off Thursday at Birds Hill Provincial Park. And to give us a preview of the 45th, unbelievable 45th, joined in studio by Lynn Scramita. She is executive director for Winnipeg Folk Festival. And Lynn, great to visit with you in person. This is this is your fifth fest or yes. your sixth? Yeah, 40, well, six, 41, actually, 42, yeah. 43, 44, 45. Funny how that works, right? You'd I think know. it would be five, but it's it's really number six for you. Well, exactly. And that's why it's also our 45th festival, even though our first one was 1974. 
Yeah, the math just doesn't work out. You know, I, I, I pride myself at doing the math uh, properly. What an incredible lineup. We just heard from Barney Bentall, who we will visit with on Friday. Um, but, you know, it's impossible not to jump right to the last act on Sunday night and to Cheryl Crow. What an incredible coup to get Cheryl Crow yeah. to Folkfest. Yeah, we're really excited about it. She hasn't been to Winnipeg in 10 years, and she hasn't played outside in Winnipeg before, so we're really excited to have her out. It's probably the biggest show we've actually done at the festival. Now, I understand uh, from other media outlets and conversations you've been having with them, but you can confirm, us for, confirm it for us here at 680 CJOB that ticket sales are on pace to equal, maybe surpass last year's incredible total. Yep, yep. We're definitely on track to surpass, I think, at this point. Um, we are down to less than 100 tickets left for our festival campground. I was just checking before I came in here this morning, so we're in we're in really good shape to have a, a banner year. What is it about Folk Fest that, you know, this has become an integral part of, never mind an event, right? People book their holidays off around Folk Fest to make sure that they're available, that they can go. What is this that has given this festival such staying power? You know, it's the community that we build out there every year, you know, like, I mean, sure, we put up over 100 tents over the course of the weekend, but it's the people that come out year after year. It's become a tradition. It's one of those places where you can actually hang out with your family or hang out with your friends and you can have just as much fun either way. And we just um, have a huge, huge uh, contingent of volunteers. There's 2,800 people that make this festival run, and they've been involved for a long time. We're giving one person their 40-year anniversary gift this year. There's about a dozen that have got 30 years. There's over 20 that have been volunteering for 20 years. And uh, yeah, it's just people keep coming back, and it's that community-building sense that makes it unique. You know, you really don't need to be doing media and talking to all of us in the media because the event just does so well every single year. But you do. And and I think it's time that we talk about this in just in a sense of this is simply one of the hallmark events in the country. I mean, this is one of the biggest folk festivals in North America. People don't realize that. Yeah, that's 100% true, actually. We are probably the biggest one in Canada. We're not the biggest music festival, but definitely the biggest folk festival. And uh, and again, it's that it's because we have that sense of tradition and all those people coming out year over year. And uh, it, it has become one of those hallmark events for Manitoba as a whole. Like, people know about it all over the place. I mean, now I think they know a little bit more about the Jets than the Folk Fest, but... <laughs> But but that's okay. Like we're we're super proud of what we do. I mean, it's been around for a long time. I've been going since I was six years old myself. Even right, like so, it's something I grew up doing, and and to be able to share that with with generations and generations of people is so exciting. So how do you um, how do you deal with the pressure of putting together a solid lineup year after year? Do you, do you still have to sell the festival on prospective acts? Do they come? looking to come to Winnipeg. How, give us some insight into how things work behind the scenes. Yeah, so so that, yeah, that's, there's, it's a bit of all of that, really. Um, we have an artistic director, Chris Freyer, who is the responsible for uh, all the booking. And I mean, he's already got some acts booked for next year at this stage because there's certain people who would have loved to have come this year but weren't able to make it and said, no, we'd love to come back. Um, one of the things we work really hard at is artist hospitality. So that makes sure that artists are, are treated really well when they're out here so that they are spreading the news to their friends and that they are uh, that Winnipeg is a great place to come and you're treated really well and the audience is great and all of that too. 
The other thing that's really important uh, to us is we have a sort of festival arc when it comes to artist development. And so we we work with young performers. We have uh, we have a program where kids of kids 14 to 24. <laughs> Our, well, those are kids yeah, for they us. They are then. now. They are now. Um, are able to work with festival artists in a, in, the, in a couple of days leading up to the festival, and then have the opportunity to play their first time on a, on a on a stage at the festival on our Shady Grove stage. But then that they get to graduate into Wandering Minstrels, then they play our Manitoba stage, and then we also bring all different kinds of artists from all over, uh, North, well, all over the world really, but especially North America, who are in different stages of their career. So this may be the, like the, a break for them, right? And then they start playing other festivals in more places. They get to start touring more internationally, and they work their way up till they're ultimately playing on uh, on the main stage. And our opening act on Thursday night, uh, Roger Roger, our locals who started in that program who are now opening the whole festival. I mean, uh, the, the legacy and the and the pedigree of Manitoba music is so incredible to begin with. Mm-hmm. So to imagine that you are continuing to nurture the talent that's already inherently in Manitoba is absolutely heartwarming to hear. But that obviously has uh, some ramifications in future years, right? Because now you're, you're creating ambassadors as well. That's right. That's exactly it. And I mean, even with our um, Young Performers Program specifically, we have people now that are mentoring people that started in that whole program in the first place. I mean, that program's 19 years old now. And so that's that's really huge. And that's what we love to see. And again, that it ties into the the traditional side of things that you see on the audience as well. So you still have writer circles and these sorts of events where where people who are into music can just get together and jam and talk about music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've had artists that have you know like somebody from Seattle meet somebody from Nashville, and all of a sudden they become friends and they start touring together and they start recording together, and and it turns into this whole new beautiful thing. You know, and speaking of beautiful things, actually one of the really cool things about a folk festival that separates it from other um, kinds of events is our workshop model, right? And so that's where we take all these different acts and we put them onto the stage at the same time, um, normally under a theme, like it might be love songs or fiddle songs or cover songs, and they start playing together and they end up jamming together and it creates this once-in-a-lifetime amazing musical experience that you'll never get to see anywhere else. So it's like hanging around backstage and getting to see what these artists might do without prying eyes, but you get a front row seat to it. Exactly. Oh boy, that is uh, that's spine tingling. So I've mentioned Cheryl Crow and Barney Bentall because those are the two that really jumped out. Natalie McMaster jumps out for me. Can you give us three others? I mean, there's uh, how many how many acts are there all together? There's got to be close to fifty guests. Seventy one. Seventy one. That was yeah. just uh, okay. That was a guest on my part. <laughs> uh, how many? Uh, give us give us three. Okay, so um, somebody I'm really excited about is Courtney Barnett. Uh, she's uh, an artist from Australia who's d- certainly done the late night talk show circuit as well as a lot of the big festivals in the U.S. This is her first time to Winnipeg. Um, Elle King, everybody knows her song X's and O's because that was a, that was a great hit recently and she's a lot of fun. Um, she's going to have a super high energy show on Thursday night. And uh, Passenger, again, is another great one. Uh, Let Her Go, which is his big song, has been downloaded 1.9 billion times so and then you get to see it live no small feat uh bicycle when does the bicycle uh parade so to speak head out bike ride to site starts uh first thing wednesday morning tomorrow because that's when our campground opens lynn thank you for this uh what's the website so people can uh, at least try and get last minute tickets winnipegfolkfestival.ca okay we wish you all the best uh, the annual the 45th winnipeg folk fest starts on we- on thursday yep. goes through until sunday you got it Knock out, you can try. 
And cold beer on Friday night A pair of jeans that fit just I thought right. you were my friend And the radio oh, want the radio up Hey, Mark, if you're listening this morning, I guess this is for you. Uh, behind the scenes, I told Jerry this morning that I heard this song about 92 times this long weekend. Mark's birthday up at Lester Beach. And uh, I said, if I never hear that song again, it'll be too soon. And here we are twice this morning. Twice. So far. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 earworm is that what you call it, right? Yes. Uh, apparently, have you heard this one that if you sing the Flintstones theme, it'll reset your uh, your calibration on your uh, on your on your earworm. Yeah, that that works, and so does actually just listening to the entire song from front to back. Come on, it does works. that really work? Listen to the whole thing. Uh, well, okay. You know what? Let's find out what David Phillips thinks. David Phillips, good morning, sir. Good morning, Greg. Happy uh, belated Canada Day to you. Are, well, are you fam- thank you. Are you familiar with this stupid chicken fried song from Zach Brown that, that Jerry was so kind to play for us? No, I'm not, Greg. I was laughing at your, your kibitzing, but uh, no, it, it's all it's all different to me. Okay, well, you know what? It's Jerry's fault if you start humming that thing later on this afternoon because <laughs> it does get in your ear. And apparently, oh. have you heard this thing that if you get an earworm, the Flintstones theme? song is supposed to reset it. <laughs> See, you guys are full of information there. I, I need to tune you guys in. I, that's, uh, that's something I didn't know about. I'll have to bring that uh, bring that with me today. <laughs> well, Senior Climatologist for Environment Canada, David Phillips, joins us now. And David, we had to at least have a little bit to give because you give so much when you come to visit us. <laughs> We've had some crazy weather in Manitoba all in the last 24, 48, maybe even 72 hours. You guys are downright hot down in eastern Canada. What's going on there? Well, Greg, we're under a system called a Bermuda High, and it's just sitting there like an unwanted house guest won't leave. And it's something that we were praying and hoping and begging for, some warm weather, but we're getting it in to an extreme. And, of course, what's what's even more oppressive are the high humidities. I mean, these are jungle humidities, uh, uh, records in some places. And uh, so people are saying, I'll never complain about the cold in the winter. Just bring me something more comfortable. But it's the, the Canadian way. I mean, I... I was thinking that we were all united uh, on this weekend. It was too hot and humid here, and it was, for most of Western Canada, it was too too cool and wet. So uh, I think we were all seeing weather the same way. Uh, that was to our disappointment. But, hey, it looks like things are going to really pick up for you guys. I mean, uh, uh, you know, and I look back over May and June, Greg, and it's not been really bad at all. You've had 10 days where you've had temperatures above 30. I mean, normally you would have four of those by now, so you've had had some some warm weather the precipitation you you needed some and you got some i mean nature's been been listening to you not uh, not causing flooding issues and maybe today and tomorrow is a, is a good chance we might see a little bit more and that's going to keep farmers happy but then beyond that greg Hey, um, we're, we're, we see some pretty warm and sunny and dry conditions uh, right through to the weekend. Temperature's going to get up there to 31, 33. And you're going to feel that humidity that we've had here in the east, not only because the air is from the south with tropical origins, but, hey, those crops are growing feverishly, and uh, they're going to be putting some local sources of humidity into the air, and, uh, and that's going to make it feel a little bit, uh, bit more uncomfortable. So we're into July. We think this is the pattern that we'll see. 
see, Greg, for the rest of the of the summer, more of those uh, warm uh, warm temperatures, and uh, so uh, so I think uh, everything looks pretty good in my in my circle. Well, tickety boo, as my grandpa might say, once upon a time. <laughs> uh, you know, we were starting to feel guilty about hoping for wet weather uh, because the farmers did need it, yes. and I think we're probably back into a situation where we can stop hoping, and now the warm weather will really make things grow. And if memory serves me correctly, those 10 days of 30 or above, uh, last summer you declared Manitoba the, uh, the, the best summer in Canada, correct? Well, I did. When you look at the balance, and you don't want too much weather, you don't want too little weather, you want kind of a nice balance, almost the, the Goldilocks of, of weather, and, and that's what I saw in, in Manitoba. I mean, some of the media pushed me and said, well, you know, where, where is the, who's got the best weather? Because we were doing a lot of complaining about it, and I said, you know, in central Canada, I mean, I can't, I can't really fault that weather at all. It's just the, the moisture is there, and it's, it's not, not a lot of, too much moisture for mosquitoes, and the, you've had a enough, uh, a lot of those muscle shirt tank top kind of days. And so, you know, in, in some ways, uh, it's a repeat. You know, I look at May and June, I see, yeah, a few more days above uh, normal. Temperatures are not record-breaking, uh, but there was a nice recovery in May, and June turned out to be maybe two, two and a half degrees warmer than normal. Precipitation is right on what you'd want. Uh, maybe we could do with a little bit more, because we see about two-thirds of what you normally get uh, in, uh, in, the, in the May. And June so far, but hey, um, I, I think you're you're on a roll. I mean, this is the second year in a row. I mean, and you didn't even have a lot of severe weather. There were moments last year, but compared to other areas, it was you. You were living a charmed uh, uh, summer last uh, last year. So, uh, and you know, I don't think Greg. I, I see very much different. I mean, I think that if you were saying to me in the dog days of summer coming up, uh, we'd like it to be warmer than normal, and that's hey, that's what we seem to be delivering. And I look at the precipitation maps. These are not very accurate, Greg. We, we, we not have a lot of skill in that. But I see out far west in Alberta and Saskatchewan, just too dry, and that will create problems, but just a nice balance. And, and you know, Greg, if we could get it to rain at three or four o'clock in the morning, that would be the best for most. Yeah, well, I don't like it necessarily because that's when I'm coming to work. Uh, oh, but I, you know, but I do water my flowers at that time of the morning, and they sure yeah. seem to love that. Well, David, it's always an absolute uh, pleasure. You are a Canadian treasure, so to have you on the program a couple days after Canada Day, we really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for for everything you do, and we appreciate the access as always, oh. my friend. Thank you, Greg, so much. Bye-bye now. Bye now. David Phillips, Senior Climatologist for Environment Canada, saying if you like what we've had so far in terms of weather, the summer is going to be to your liking overall. And you know what? How can you argue with that? It's been a fantastic summer. So clever, that Jerry Richardson. Behind the glass, Jerry, with you. I'm Greg Mackling till 10 o'clock. Having trouble with my headphones all morning this morning. They're not loud enough. This little box that holds the headphone thing came off its bracket, so it's not as handy as it usually is. So it's not so much that it's not working, it's just that you broke it. Uh, yeah, I didn't break it. It was like I found I found it like that. Honest. Here till 10 o'clock. And then Jeff Courier's back, by the way, after holidays. And then from 1 till 4, the 34th greatest Canadian of all time, Al Anderson, from 1 till 4 in the afternoon. And then, uh, as we know, Richard is dipping his uh, wheel in the of his bicycle. <laughs> what? 
dipped his front wheel of his bicycle in the Pacific Ocean this morning, but he will join Julie. And I don't even know who's riding with Julie today. I'm going to guess it's Christian O'Mel. Usually. From 4 until 7. We'll get you home informed and we'll get you home safe and maybe even just a little bit smarter. I want to introduce you to a young woman that I've just met in the last few minutes or so, but I feel like we've known each other for a while. Her name is Amy Tung, and she's here to tell us about the I Am Love Project. Good morning, Amy. Thanks for taking time with us. Thank you. Now, the first thing, it's unmistakable that I noticed about you was your tattoo. Right. You have this tattoo on your bicep, which is, you know, like uh, the uh, core of strength for for most bodybuilders and uh, very strong people. Why do you have it there? And what does it say? Well, it says, give me the wisdom uh, to know what must be done and the courage to do it. Who are you asking? Who are you asking for that? For everyone. Yeah. It's a reminder for myself um, that every day is a new day. And in all that we do, we need to be brave. So what are you doing? What is this uh, the, the, this chain of love and I Am Love project? Well, it's quite special, I think. Um, the I Am Love project was created from a vision where everyone is worthy of love, should be loved, and feel love regardless of age, color, gender, or race. Our mission is to continuously encourage self-love, a practice which allows us to enjoy a positive relationship with ourselves and others a mindset that is cultivated through the support of the community and backed up with heart. What comes first? You know, I always tell my kids, you know, you have to be proud of yourself. You have to love yourself if you expect others to to love you. Is that a is that good advice I'm giving my kids in your estimation? I think so. I think the first step to self-love or maybe self-care is having that awareness, um, knowing yourself, what you need, what you want, and strive for it. We were talking a little bit about yoga before we came on the air. And what is it that you like so much about yoga? Yoga, I love not just because it's a form of like health and wellness, but it also creates that self-awareness. Knowing our body, being in every pose is consists of you being really balanced. Your foundation is the most important um, standing on your two feet and building that stance f- uh, upward. So uh, what what emotional and what life lessons do we get from yoga in terms of maybe building relationships, either a relationship with ourself or uh, relationships with others? How does that translate? It allows us to get to really know ourselves in terms of our mind and body. Like I said, it you start from the foundation and it's really talking about that balance you have, knowing your body and how to bring yourself back to center to keep that balance, to maintain that um, pose. And same thing with life, finding that balance between work and uh, work life and in all that we do in every day. It's a real challenge, right? That You say that balance between work life, it's a challenge for most of us, right? Right. Sometimes, well, it depends what you find is most important right now. Is it work or is it your family? And if it's family, then how are you going to find time or how are you going to allocate the time to spend more time with them? So tell us about this I Am Love project and what it is exactly you're aiming to do. What am I aiming to do? Um, So we create the chain of love where there's no beginning or ending. We organize fundraising events to raise donations to help support Canadian nonprofit organizations, schools, and our community. 
Every month, I Am Love Project will release a new crystal intention bracelet, and they're made by volunteers and host a pop-up yoga class where all proceeds are honored to a charity who is making a huge impact within our community. How are you going to decide which charity that you donate to? Have you got some some that you're targeting already? We do. So now we're booking into 2019. Oh, wow. Right, yes. So this month is the Women's Health Clinic. Next month is the Mood Disorders Manitoba for the Turning Pages program. And we also have Make Music Matter. Outstanding. Yeah. How did you come up with the decisions to to endorse these groups? Did you have meetings? Did you research? How did you decide? Uh, research and um, people just start to show up and yeah. There's a, there's a real sense of uh, community growing in our city overall. Are you trying to capitalize on that? Do you get that sense as well? Are, are you born and raised here? I was born in Toronto, raised, yes, most, yes, raised in Winnipeg. So do you get that sense that Winnipeg, I, I made a comment the other day that uh, when I was growing up, it was sort of like a race to get out of Winnipeg. I'm much older than you. And people, uh, when I was younger, it was the conversation always stemmed around, you know, moving to Toronto and moving to Calgary, moving to Vancouver. And, and right now, none of my friends talk about leaving Winnipeg unless it's to move to East St. Paul or to Oak Bank. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's talking about moving to other cities. There's a real, there seems to be a real renaissance and a and a, an affection for Winnipeg. Do you sense that with your generation? Um, well, I did leave. Yeah, <laughs> most of my friends. I have did two, left. three yeah. times. So uh, I'm I'm a thrice repatriated <laughs> Manitoban. So two times, and still I'm back home. Right. My heart belongs in Winnipeg, and that's such a big thing, right? Yeah. And I and I think it's uh I think it's uh, dishonest with ourselves if we ignore that, right? Mm-hmm. So how can I get involved? What if we want to get involved in this? Uh, we've, so we've got yoga, we've got bracelets, we've got uh, we've got giving back to the community. How can we go wrong here? How, how do we how do we find out more? How do we find out more? Uh, we have our website that we just launched yesterday. Yesterday. So, yesterday. Wow, you are. <laughs> look at that. We are getting the exclusive on this. Um, so it's uh, imloveproject.ca. You can buy the yoga tickets as well as the bracelets um, online. And you can follow our Facebook account and our Instagram account to capture the latest information and what's going on. Do you have a bracelet with you? or I am wearing it. Oh, let me see. Let me see there. this bracelet. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's Howlite beads, um, sterling, silver, uh, sterling silver as a base, then coated in 14 karat gold. And then what, what is this? That's agate. It's Druzy agate. So it's kind of like the center of the quartz when it's still hollow. When it's still crystallizing. So, uh, are are you a big believer in the in the power of of stones and and whatnot, or I just must the say symbolism? I am. No, I I am. I love stones. They all have a different meaning, um, different intention, different time to wear it. Um, yeah, and they're beautiful. They are, and they're natural. Absolutely gorgeous. Right? Okay, one more time. How do people connect with you? How do people connect with me? www.iamloveproject.ca um, or through my Instagram account, a tongue to ung one three one four. That's, one three one four. Yeah. Is there something significant there? Uh, is there? Well, in Chinese, it means forever. <laughs> one three one four yeah. means forever. Yeah. So there you go. See. 
Now, I promised you by the time that you were done that you would want to you would want to do this again, and I can tell by the smile on your face that you would absolutely do this again, right? Did I fit to you? This was actually not that bad. Not to be that honest. bad. Yes. <laughs> it's not the ringing endorsement that I was aiming for, but I will take it. Amy, a delight. To meet you and uh, thank you for doing this. This is, sounds like a terrific way for people to support some outstanding organizations in our community and to get in touch with themselves and with one another. There's really three wins here for Winnipeg. And so uh, thanks for being back in our city and, and thanks for, for, for promoting this I Am Love project. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Greg Mackling for Behind the Glass. Jerry, thank you for spending part of your week with us. And then-